Um, we've we've got a few scams of good nature. Have you? One, yeah, one is like our accountant, internal accountant gets an email. Hey, um, I need you to wire eighty thousand dollars to this account right away, and please don't talk to anybody about this. Blah blah blah, whatever. And our okay. accountant just sent the money to Germany. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> it was it was like a spoofed it was a spoofed email. So the name was my brother's oh. name. Oh my god! But it, but it was a different email address. Um. But then, because of the time zone difference, we were able to get the wire sent back before or canceled before their banks opened in Germany. So that was almost an eighty thousand dollar. Jeez. scam and then we've had other ones like our sales guy will be trying to sell an next one for a couple months and then finally the guy will send the money and it'll be like a hundred thousand dollars too much mm-hmm. so say it's an x1 a twenty five thousand dollar x1 they'll send one hundred twenty five thousand, and then immediately send an email like oh i accidentally sent too much i need you to send that mm-hmm. wire back right away but but in the back end they're already going to cancel the wire that they sent because you, you have like a certain number of hours. So, so then you send the wire and then the other one that was canceled goes back too. So they get both. Um, so they get both. Yeah. But I think we fell for that once many years ago. And now we, and, and now we tell them we have to wait for wires to clear before we send anything back. Yeah. And that's saved us a couple of times. And then we've also had some like fraudulent check stuff. Um, <clears throat> Like we we get a check, kind of similar scam. You get a check, and then it's for the wrong amount, and they say, "Oh, just send the send the balance back to this account." It's like a different account. Um, and we also got scammed by a fake freight company. Like a customer's like, "Hey, I want you to use this freight company, so pay this company to ship it." So then we did that, and then it was just like a total fake company. Oh gosh! So, did the customer yeah. know that it was a fake company? Yeah, it ended up being a total yeah. scam. It wasn't even like oh a real gosh. customer. It's like <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, the whole thing was a scam. I'm telling you, it's getting mm-hmm. really difficult to tell anymore with like as this AI stuff comes up. Right. I was reading this article so about like real estate, yeah, and how this like artificial intelligence now like designers are putting up, you know, these pictures and you can't tell if that's actually real or if it's an artificial picture that's been designed. You know, I just, yeah. oh, it's a slippery, slippery my, slope. My grandpa used to always go into places a long time ago and he'd always be like, you guys accept rubber checks when he was paying. <laughs> rubber was like, checks. Oh. He's like, as long as they don't bounce. <laughs> so stupid. But every place we go, grocery yeah. store, everywhere, just ask them if they accept just, rubber checks, man. Oh just waiting God. for that. You do it every time. Grandpa yeah. joke. Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's act of nature. Oh, oh, oh! What's up, my juice lovers? Welcome to good, 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 good 
Good Nature Radio, 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 Radio. Ba, ba, bam, bam. This is your host, Charlie Wetlaufer. <laughs> Joined by the top two juice business consultants of the world, Chef Ari Sexner, author of The Juicing Companion, and Olivia Esquivel, founder and owner of Southern Press Juicery, the award-winning juice bar. She's also the founder of the Wild Crafted Collection. Good Nature Radio is the weekly Friday podcast where the juicing industry comes together to get help with starting and growing a juice bar, home-based juice business, or cold-pressed juice delivery company. Podcast is brought to you by Good Nature, the world leader in commercial cold-pressed juicers and juice business consulting. Family-owned business was founded since it was founded in 1976 by my dad, Dale Wetlaufer. I'd like to send us a comment or question. You can leave us a voicemail at goodnature.com slash radio. That's also where you can request a free consultation with our juicing experts. Or you can email us in a question at radio at goodnature.com. And don't forget to check out the Good Nature Juicing Facebook group. Just go on Facebook and search for Good Nature Juicing. You'll find us there. And we have a great episode for you today. We are going to be talking about everything related to sourcing suppliers and sourcing produce and how to buy stuff for your juice business. Um, before we get into that, I just want to say congrats to both of you for successful course launches uh, as part of the Good Nature School of Juice, which we launched a few weeks ago. Um, we did a special launch week for both of your courses, and they both are selling very well. We got amazingly positive feedback. Um, if anybody wants to check out our educational courses, maybe not ready to fork up the dough to pay for consulting, maybe we can start with one of the courses over at learn.goodnature.com. Sure, check those out. Okay, how to find... How to source suppliers? We're going to talk about how to find a supplier. You know what is a distributor in general, and how that works with logistics. Challenges of sourcing certain items like organic produce. Negotiating with multiple multiple suppliers and having backup suppliers. What to do in a pinch if you run out of something, and more. So let's start out with, I guess, like Olivia in your business. If you maybe you want to launch a new product or a new mm -hmm. recipe and you need to source something you never purchased before, mm -hmm. what's sort of the first place you look? Well, first, if I'm if I'm launching something I've never done before with like a unique ingredient, usually I'll just, um, you know, buy a small batch of it. Like whether I buy it from a local farmer's market or, I, you know, when I'm testing it, um, just to see just how that ingredient behaves and make sure that it's something that you know, that I want to add to the menu that is well-received, et cetera. All the while, while I'm betaing it, I'm also shopping around for it, looking for high quality, looking for, you know, how accessible it is. If it's something I have to order online, how long does it take? Um, and then looking to see what it's going to do to my food cost, because I find that a lot of people will add things to their menu and then not because they get excited about it and then not think about how it's going to, one, how easy is it going to be for them to get it? And then two, how it's going to affect their food cost. So for me, all of those boxes have to be checked before I add a new item. Um, and then, you know, then I'll proceed with it. But if it's, if it's something that I'm trying to focus on that's local, like let's say it's, you know, peach season or it's watermelon season and there's local purveyors that can get that for me, then obviously I, you know, create a relationship with them. I always try to talk about which local purveyors, you know, we're featuring, um, feature them on our Instagram or or, you know, whatever method I'm able to shout out to them. So first, I think it depends on if it's something local, then I think you obviously you want to source that locally. If it's something that I want to keep um, beyond a season, 
or for a longer period of time, um, then I'll probably usually look for a larger purveyor. One of the issues I've I've run into with local purveyors is sometimes they're not able to keep up with the the supply that Southern Press Juicery needs. Um, and so that's something you really have to talk out also, um, make sure that, you know, you're taking a guess at what sales would look like, but that they're able to give you the amount of berries that you're going to need to get through. Um, so think about that as well. And then if I'm going to source it outside of local, then, you know, I tend to use, um, I try to get as many things as I can from one supplier. Um, and that supplier for me is, is one of the larger suppliers and they give, um, me several drops a week as I need it. The benefit to having a larger supplier like that is obviously, you know, access to thousands and thousands of products, even special order products. And even more than that, um, because my spaces aren't huge, a lot of times if it if I need something, they will hold it for them, hold it for me in their warehouse and then just drop ship it as I need it. And that is a huge thing for me, like whether it's bottles or whether it's, you know, cases of coconut water or whatever it is that, um, that I don't have the storage for, you know, make sure that you work with a purveyor who's going to be listening to your needs, aware of your storage spaces, um, and your capacity, and then finding a way to make it happen for you. Um, so it kind of depends if it's a local kind of niche thing, or if you're looking for a larger purveyor, um, I would say, be careful with larger purveyors. And the fact that a lot of times they'll have a large minimum order. Um, and that can be difficult if you're only getting a couple of items from them. So if that's the case, um, you know, ask for special orders from people that you can get the most things from, and then see if you can hitch on to any orders from anybody else in the local community with you. Like, can you, can you combine an order, um, to reach that minimum with maybe the bakery next door or, you know, somebody else across the street that sometimes is really helpful when you're starting out small. Um, and can you talk a little bit more about how that relationship works with a, yeah. that sounds like a pretty traditional distributor type relationship mm -hmm. where they have a big list of stuff and you tell them what you need. Um, so how does that work like financially? Yeah. So, um, you know, for us, we, um, I think we work on a, you know, each distributor will have, we'll have a different relationship. Like where either you pay them on cash on delivery, or you do a net 30 or a net 60 or a net 90 days. So you'd have to work that out with your finance team and their finance team. Um, I, th I think we receive our invoice. We check to make sure that everything is right. And then we pay them on a net 30 days. Um, but you want to make sure like Southern Press Juicery got into a little bit of an issue lately where we were major over ordering. I mean, we were sitting on so much inventory that the it was just affecting um, our bottom line because we were just ordering over ordering. People weren't um, associates, whoever was in charge of ordering wasn't really closely paying attention to our inventory. And so they would just order like, you know, 10,000 straws when we were sitting on 100,000 straws. So um, if you're working within a small, space and also have a budget to work with, you've got to make sure that you have an order guide. Um, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes I think we as owner operators think that we have to do everything and reinvent every single wheel. Um, I really put it on to my distributors and I say, look, here's my menu. Here's every single ingredient I use, go and find it. And I let them go and find it. And I've even told them like, can you make an order guide for me? These are the items. <laughs> this is how much you know, I will need of each single thing, like maybe once a week or two times a week, and they'll create 
what what they call an order guide um so that you're not just like looking on their website through a million different types of kale right but together you've decided hey this is the kale this is the banana this is the yellow tip banana i want i mean like even something ordering like bananas if you're ordering fresh bananas there's like six different kinds of fresh bananas yellow tip green tip half yellow green tip half green brown tip i mean it's like it's it's crazy but you have to be really thoughtful about you know like that's just the perfect example like you don't want to order six cases of bananas and they all come in and they're all too green you can't use them or they're too mature and they won't freeze well so you know really like sitting down i think with your rep and explain to them um like chef always says like what your menu looks like and you know what sells every day what you stock um what you need special order and then coming up with sort of what your budget is um because like if you're doing cash on delivery and they drop you you know a two grand order you may not be able to pay that cash on delivery so can they send you smaller shipments of that can they drop on a monday and a wednesday and a friday um and that way you have the cash to pay for those so there's a lot of different ways to do it but um one mistake that i that i see a lot of my new associates make is when an order is brought in they just assume that it's all right and they just like sign the invoice and send the driver on the way and that's like the worst because i don't know if i'd say more often than not there's a mistake but there are a lot of mistakes there's a lot of mispicks there's a lot of hands in between what you order and when that product comes from you um, sometimes they put things in boxes, like it'll say fish, but there's apples inside. <laughs> like, you know, so you've really got to like go through every single item, make sure that what you ordered is what's there in your juice bar. And if it's not, if it's a mispick, then you can send that item back and get, get money or get a refund. But don't ever let people just drop products in your store and leave. Um, the truck drivers are used to and they know it's their job to go through every single item that's dropped so that's one thing that i find that my, a lot of my clients that i talk to don't realize that they have the authority to do yeah and you can do spot checks like if you have a box mm -hmm. of apples you can reach in the middle and pull a couple out and check them and yeah. make sure they're okay exactly and yeah and I, I recommend getting a, a refractometer that measure the bricks too works great oh, really? for yeah. a lot of fruit you could actually like check it in put <laughs> a little and see the sugar factor no you seriously really can. wait it's, is this a real really thing important. yeah well, okay and tell me check the start bricks. over start well, over could, i thought this was a joke from the from the go no <laughs> i don't joke around olivia i know okay? you're super serious sorry these games. no but it's uh it's called a refractometer that measures the bricks in uh in the yeah fruit. bricks b-r-i-x is the yeah sugar oh, content got it so but it's so that's how you can measure how sweet like uh something is yeah uh -huh. it's nice in a large operation like the casino or hotel they have mm -hmm. one person that actually just measures everything and, and monitors the fruit the sweetness levels but i mean it's something great to have as well oh, and cool. a lot of purveyors you could actually tell them you know and just check it every mm. once in a while but I mean, I, I've got a lot of experience with purveyors, you know, mm. positive and negative. The purveyors, they, you got to develop relationships with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's extremely important. They'll tell you about shortages coming before mm -hmm. it happens. You know, mm. develop relationships with them. When you have, when you work with really fine dining restaurants, they might have purveyors for just one type of mushroom mm -hmm. and have so many different purveyors. With juice bars, you'll probably have three or four for the produce, maybe one for some frozen items, 
office supplies, uh, all different categories, but usually around four to five purveyors, maybe. Uh, and it's extremely important to develop relationships. Like I remember we used to have, uh, we used to order a large volume in the hotel. Uh, it just strictly produce. We would order maybe close to 50,000, like twice a day, just produce, wow. you know, multiple orders, just that much volume. And of course it's easier to develop relationships when you got that amount of orders, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're very friendly, yeah. but yeah, they're super nice. But something you could do yeah. that, uh, probably not a lot of people take advantage of is just talk to them and say, listen, if, if you got some creative people in the kitchen, you know, what kind of produce, let me know if you have something on hand that you'll, you'll be willing to give up for a discount, uh, that you might not be able to get rid of in time, you know, and I can't tell you how many times once or twice a week, they would give me a list of produce that they won't be able to sell in time before it goes bad. And mm-hmm. I can create recipes and, and get a much better price point on that. And I mean, it's a win-win situation for both people. You oh, know? man, what a good tip, Ari. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that's our podcast. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, I will, um, say, um, I, I will say that there have been times where really, really crucial things have not made my trucks, like bottles, <laughs> you know, because they, or, you know, whatever bananas and because i have such a good relationship with my purveyor um you know i i let them know like hey i can get by until friday or man i can't like this is a big no-no i cannot get by without this i cannot even get to tomorrow i've had them go and pick up things in their own cars the reps and bring them to me like drive to another Mm. city um or like you know for my shop in charlotte like if they, if something got left off the truck, I've had, I've had reps leave Greenville, which is an hour and a half south of Charlotte and drive things up to Charlotte, um, because there was a mispick or something. So it's just really important. I mean, I obviously wouldn't expect that every day, but, um, and sometimes it's really easy. Like some of my orders, I just text my orders through, cause that's the kind of relationship we have. So I'll text, you know, exactly what my order is and they'll come back and confirm it. Um, and then, you know, of course you, you have purveyors, like chef said, that are for different reasons. Like I have a emergency produce purveyor, you know, where I know I'm going to pay a little bit extra, but if I'm in a pinch and it's, you know, it's Wednesday and my next drop isn't until Friday for my kale or my whatever, then I can call them on Wednesday and say, Hey, you know, I need this amount of kale for tomorrow. Now I'm going to pay a little bit more for it, but it's either that or have an empty case. So it's good to have just all kinds of different purveyors that are kind of your long-term goals that, you know, are your regulars and then ones that you can call, like you said, Charlie, like if you have an emergency. Yeah. Never set up an account with like automated orders. Yeah. Never. Unless it's like office supplies for perishable items. You should have a physical inventory no matter what, you know, clipboard, paper, pen, pencil, whatever have an actual order guide, especially with produce. It's so perishable. Those people, your managers yourself or whoever, they need to go in there, check the produce. You might have a couple rotten citrus in the back that you think you have mm-hmm. a case, but you don't. It's mm-hmm. extremely important to do physical inventory every day. Don't guess yep. on stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And have pars too. I find that that's one thing that really goes wrong is 
Um, you know, people don't have a list of how many apples do we go through a day? How many kales do we go through mm -hmm. a day? I mean, you really can't set an order guide yeah. without knowing how much you go through every day. That's how you know you're, you're in a pickle is when you're, when you look at your, at your par yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to have five bags of beets and I have one bag of beets. I can't do my yeah. next right. recipe, Damn. you know? And so that's something that's just as important. So just having an organized kitchen like that and for the front of the house, you know, um, I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong and they either under order and then end up having to have a higher food cost and, uh, um, because they're, you know, running to the grocery store to pick up something that really they could have gotten if they were more organized on their order guide Yeah, or part so list. It, in the school juice, we, we do have a topic on setting up the order guide, sample template, everything, but Good. Th like yeah. you mentioned, those, those pars are extremely important. You know, you're not going to know your parts until you start going. So yeah, you want to be able to have your recipes, be able to figure out how much goes into each recipe and then look at how much space, how much cases of products in your refrigeration units mm -hmm. and then start dialing in your parts on how much you need to have on hand because you're not yeah. going to go into detail of how many pounds you need to have. You're going to be working in how many cases you need to have cases, on hand. Cases, yeah. You know? Yeah. You got to make sure it fits. That happens to me more often than I'd like to admit where, you know, we sign up for big cleanse orders and then all of a sudden all the produce gets there, but it doesn't fit, mm -hmm. you know? Oh. So it's like, okay, well, we got to start juicing like right away because we got to get rid of this produce or we can't, we're not going to be able to refrigerate it. I mean, we have a small walk-in. So, um, yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of moving parts, but, um, that's great that in Ari's, Masterclass, you have all of those fundamentals to get you going to start getting organized. Yeah. I'd say the other key component besides the physical order guide is figuring out what your backup plan is for everything. You mm -hmm. know, turn on that negativity switch and think about every worst case scenario for every mm -hmm. item. Mm -hmm. You know, have backup purveyors for everything, but think of a backup plan in case both those fall through. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know if you're going to need a last minute product for, you know, apples or citrus or bottles. Always think about, okay, if this doesn't show up, how am I going to get that mm -hmm. in a pinch, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe increase your pars to make sure that you're, you're never getting down to zero, right? Like make yeah. sure that you're at least leaving yourself enough wiggle room that if your apples don't show up, you still have some on hand. Especially with non-perishable. You know, yeah. go heavier with that. Yeah. Figure out storage, uh, mm -hmm. but go heavier on that and the perishable. Definitely adjust through the seasons, you know, yeah. but, and adjust Sorry, your pars. I'm getting so many ideas, but like one thing that I've noticed, Chef, in the back too, that um, I found to be really helpful is on some of our items that, that are oddly hard to find. Like if we have a certain kind of sprout, like maybe we have a sunflower sprout, but we can only find alfalfa sprouts or whatever, is we leave sort of a list of what is, um, for the juicer, what's appropriate to, to substitute with like, Hey, you're short on alfalfa sprouts. You can use sunflower sprouts that we have for this. Or if you're short, short on, you know, red chard is fine. If you needed green chard, like you can do that switch, mm -hmm. just make sure you're, if there's an adjustment that needs to be made on a label or something like that, that customers know what's in the bottle, but sort of having that organization of if I can't get what I need, what can I substitute? with it um that would be sort of equivalent to yield and taste and color and all that kind of stuff yeah definitely i think you really it's... got us going here charlie yeah 
<laughs> Olivia, you said something very intelligent. I don't know when it was, a few weeks ago or something, where uh, you said um, that a distributor is actually in the business of logistics, not selling you produce. Yeah. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, and I actually sort of figured that out like a ding dong by sitting with one of the VPs of the distribution company that I, um, that I use. And he was like, Olivia, let me put this very plainly. We have to pay for that truck moving, whether that truck is full or whether that truck is little, I really don't care what's in that truck. We're just charging for moving things. It could be paper towels. It could be pineapples. It could be anything. We're just basically a moving company. We are a logistics company to make sure that what you order is in is into our facility in time for when you need it dropped. And if you need to pull from our warehouse that we have enough at all times, it's all just logistics. So their team is really set up to help you figure out because it, it is sort of overwhelming to think about when you're, when you're ordering, how much do I order? How do I know if I'm ordering enough? Um, they're, those reps that work for distribution companies, that's their job is to figure out how often should I bring this to you? How much should I bring to you? Obviously you have to figure it out a little bit as well, but it should be sort of this two-way conversation, especially as you're getting going, um, that they're sort of helping you figure out the logistics of that. So, um, it's, it's definitely should be a two-way street. I think it should be a very friendly relationship. You know, I've had distributors that have tried to get our business and right off the bat, you know, tell me what a small fish I am. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks. I knew that already, <laughs> but you know, I'm not interested in this relationship. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I want to feel um, more important than I am. And I mean that sincerely, like I want to feel like it matters to somebody if the things that were supposed to come on the truck that I ordered in time on a deadline didn't show up. Like that should be a big deal to somebody else other than me. Um, so, you know, I, I really love the relationships I have with my purveyors. You know, it can be frustrating at times because, you know, we run such a tight operation that you can't function if your things don't show up and, you know, your food cost goes up and you're running around. And so it can be a real pain in the butt, but, um, the best way to operate is to make sure you have a really great, um, purveyor that you've got a good relationship with that's going to help you out if there was a mispick or if something or like chef Ari said like they have told me like hey we're catching wind that um you know this and this is happening to the strawberry industry and we're expecting prices to to jump up in the next month or so just want to give you like some headwind so you know then it's like okay well then yeah let's order up now or let's freeze or let's switch my menu so it's not strawberries and i'm using bloobs instead or whatever it is so um, it should be that sort of relationship where they're looking out for you and for your success. I, I think knowing that mindset, knowing that they're just trying to get as many routes on their delivery as possible yeah. is a really good way to think about mm -hmm. how you should be talking to the distributors. And yeah, they just want to earn you as a customer and offer as many things as possible that you might need. Mm -hmm. um, Ari, can we talk a bit about value add? I know a lot of purveyors will offer services like if you need things cut a certain way or you need a certain type of produce or like Olivia you're talking about the different types of bananas so they'll kind of sort the bananas for you and drop you off what you need yeah. um Ari maybe you can speak a little on that yeah I mean the amount of stuff a purveyor could do is really surprising to a lot of people 
You know, like you could have, I know there's certain places where they're basically juicing in a kiosk where they've been able to talk to purveyors to give them their actual recipes for juicing. And they can tell the purveyor, I'm making 20 of this green juice, 20 of my red juice, 20 of my carrot juice. And the purveyors will actually clean the product, wash it, put it in a box and send it to them so that they could receive it, juice everything, and they don't need to worry about storage of produce. You know, but of course, everything the purveyor does, it's going to add labor into that. So might not be extremely cost effective, but it's certain things that they could help you out with. Um, it, it might it might be cost effective though because you might have to hire yeah. a, a full person to do all that. So it might be cheaper to have their team do it while they're also processing orders yeah. for thirty other restaurants. You know, yeah. like like if they just spend two hours on your stuff, that's a lot easier than you paying someone to come in for half a day or something. Yeah, and and there's amazing stuff that you could do to reduce waste too, because a lot of times. Highly desirable would be like chiffonade kale or chopped kale for salads and they'll destem it. Talk to them and be like, can I just buy those stems from you? You know, because it's great for juicing, tastes like kale. There's no no real difference uh, instead of them just composting it. You know, it's a hmm. it's a way to develop that relationship. You know, there's there's so many instances where we've relied on them for stuff. I remember I did a banquet for New Year's for like four almost 4,000 people. And for, I, I was in charge of one dish by itself. And it was kind of one small component where we did a watermelon radish. We pickled it, but we had to cut it in a perfect square. So it had to be about four inches by four inches. So watermelon radishes, that's kind of close. So we actually notified the purveyor six months ahead of time. They told the farmer, we need extra large watermelon radish. Wow. And they were able to do it, you know? So it's like, you'd be surprised at how much they can help you out with your operation. All right. Let's get into a little bit about challenges, the sourcing certain items and how you might handle those. And we touched on a little bit, but let's say you're sourcing organic celery. And then all of a sudden you realize it's winter and your purveyor doesn't have organic celery for the next month or something. Um, Ari, how do you think about that issue? Well, first of all, I would probably have, in in terms of purveyors, I'd always recommend, if at all possible, having one large purveyor, like a nationwide distributor. They're your backup plan. You know, they're the ones that are available in every every state, city, depending on where you're at, but usually always readily available. That's a purveyor to have for your, basically your backup plan. Then you have other purveyors that are your main purveyors that basically you get your local product, your your everyday product. Okay, so it's almost impossible to not be able to get an item at any time of the year. It's just, you're going to pay more for it, mm. you know? And so... I can't tell you how many times that we needed to source exotic fruit that was exact opposite season. We were supposed to get it. They would get it to us, but it would be, it wouldn't be cost effective at all. So you can get any product, any time of the year, no matter what, it's just going to be extremely expensive. So if you're at like a, 
a standalone juice shop and you're short on celery, I would go through the list of the purveyors, check the backup purveyor if they don't have it. That's where I would start kind of looking at local produce uh, grocery stores, you know, see if I could pull some in, uh, see if I could talk to the produce manager and they might have some cases in the back I might buy. I know a few of them will actually give you a discount if you buy a case of a certain item, uh, you know, all the way down to if none of those work, then that's where you kind of got 86 it for a day or not be able to sell that product and then uh, start calling around the purveyors, you know, because it's not always effective to be able to source it from all around the country or the world. But uh, that's that's the steps I would do, you know. And there's an issue where sometimes uh, distributors will start to kind of creep prices up on you. Um, I mm-hmm. know we've had it happen at our company and – all right, do you have any tips to negotiating with the suppliers? Yeah. Well, it, it's a big challenge because, like I said, a lot of times they'll just source it from further away, and they won't notify you on every produce item. They're just going to change the price on you. You know, it's it would be impossible. So produce prices change every day. Uh, so you got to have a system in place. You know, I, I write Excel sheets with people's recipes in there, so that they can just plug in the current price per pound and figure out if that's the way they should be selling it or if it's way too high, you can pinpoint that exact reason why that produce is too high and you need to make adjustments. So having a system in place where you can just enter the current price per pound and make sure it's cost effective is extremely important. You got to be able to do that in like five minutes. takes longer to figure your food cost. You're going to, you got to stop doing it. So, hmm. so, so basically, like be, before you place an order for the next day or a couple of days from now, you run it in the cost calculator and make sure it makes sense, right? Yeah, and, and you can you can put caps on stuff if if you notice like every other month they're raising the price on pineapples for me. You could tell the purveyor, hey, you got to let me know if you're going above this price per case. You know, you could put caps on that. Um, or have them notify you, which will work. But yeah, you always want to have a backup plan. Is is it worth having multiple suppliers just for the sake of comparing prices every time you go to order? Is that too much work? And maybe you should just find one you trust. Yeah, I mean, it, it's best to have one purveyor for basically everything. If you're noticing the prices are really fluctuating around, that's where I bring in the other one kind of compare prices, making sure they're getting the right products, you know, at the right price. So it's always good to have two kind of local suppliers or purveyors that you can kind of figure out the costing. I won't go in so much detail where, oh, this is a quarter cheaper from this guy or a quarter cheaper from this place and go back and forth. I I would just be plugging in my numbers. If I notice it's consistently changing and becoming too expensive, then I'd start comparing all my right. produce items. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that covers everything. Um, <clears throat> just, I guess I have one last comment that we do continually add more products to the good nature marketplace online. If it, if you guys want to check that out, we're going to be adding a new tea vendor pretty soon. It's going to have multiple different types of uh, loose leaf tea. 
So that's exciting. Um, we already have matcha tea on there, but this will be other types of tea as well. And we added protein recently, and we've got a bunch of other items on there. And glass bottles are coming soon. So <clears throat> for people looking for sourcing those kinds of items, make sure to check out the marketplace at goodnature.com. That's all we got for you today. Thank you, everybody. Friday. This week yeah. I did it my way. Yeah. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Fridays at Good Nature.